16 minutes it is now before 9 p.m. And uh, we're under the microscope uh, this evening here on Metro FM Talk. And we're taking a look at uh, one of the migration corridors I was talking about. And uh, certainly one of the ones that are on the spotlight now is that between the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape. And uh, uh, this uh, COVID-19 moment has certainly strained relationships between the two provinces. And uh, the ANC in the Eastern Cape uh, threatening to uh, take the DA-run Western Cape government to court, suggesting that they're sabotaging the uh, disease contagion efforts uh, in the Eastern Cape and uh, we also know that Health Minister uh, Dr. William Kiesel was back in the Eastern Cape today to uh, inspect progress on uh, the uh, response and uh, he noted with concern uh, that uh, the Western and the Eastern Cape comprise 84% of uh, total new cases uh, with the Western Cape at 5,621. Now uh, in this I guess a war of words that has been doing the rounds between uh, the uh, two provinces here. Uh, one of the gentlemen who has certainly over the last uh, day or so, I think over the last uh, 24 hours or so, has certainly registered his displeasure uh, with how the Eastern Cape government has handled this is uh, the MAC for transport in the Western Cape. And that is Bongengosumati Gizal, who joins me now on the line. Mklegaz, Manbulis, and thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Good evening. I am and Good evening to your listeners. I want us maybe to start off here. I mean, uh, I saw an interesting report earlier on today in the Cape Times. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, quoted you suggesting that, uh, you know, you felt that uh, the accusations made by the Eastern Cape uh, ANC were preposterous, were irresponsible, uh, in a context where people uh, who were going to funerals, according to your perspective, were being stopped, tested, and forced to wait for two days. Uh, just talk to us about uh, uh, what you experienced uh, as you had an opportunity to, uh, I guess, um, uh, interact with our people. Look, I, I think, uh, first and foremost, we... Uh, we must not dismiss the concerns from from the Eastern Cape, uh, given the fact that uh, we are now dubbed as the epicenter uh, of co- of co- coronavirus in the Western Cape. But of course, I mean, um, as you as you put it, uh, rightly put it, I mean, it's really absurd for anyone to suggest that uh, the Western Cape would deliberately. Um, you know, infect uh, send people from the Western Cape to infect people from the from I mean to the, uh, the, um, the Eastern Cape. I think uh, this um, should be handled, you know, with 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 maturity and cool heads. Um, I mean, you know, the historic you know um, relationship between these three provinces. I mean, this this is a former Cape colony, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, and Northern Cape. But they were once mm. one province. In Fortunately fact, or unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> in fact, in fact, it's even difficult to say that there are people from Western Cape or people from the Eastern Cape. Many of us, Sunamakai, uh, Eastern Cape, and and and, and we travel mm. between the Eastern Cape and Western Cape on regular basis. Sure, sure. And I think the point that I was making as well is that um, what was happening in Apathy was really, really inhumane. While one understands the concern that the Eastern Cape has um, you know, around this issue of COVID-19, uh, but to expect people to wait, to be screened and tested and wait for 48 hours 
Um, really, I don't think that was was the way, was the way to go, you know, from from the Eastern Cape. Mm. And I think uh, we 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 must find a way uh, to establish protocols between two provinces sure, to sure. deal with this better. And this is a health issue, by the way. It's not even a transport mm. issue. But and I, I think, but yeah, I, mean, I think you know, Gutana, yeah. how, how do you respond on your end to the allegation that uh, the Eastern Cape, you know, or some representatives of political parties in the Eastern Cape, or even the government, is making that? Uh, you know, Kufiga Imotas Gweleyo at the border at Aberdeen or elsewhere. Um, you know, full to the brim from the Western Cape. No permits, no social distancing, uh, really no precautionary measures taken. And uh, uh, I guess there, there are question marks then about how law enforcement in the Western Cape uh, has actually allowed some of those vehicles to go through. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, yeah. the, 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 here's, here's so, the as it was motors, it was motors, No, 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 I'm, I'm getting to that. Okay. You do have a situation where perhaps five percent of the people, I mean, are not adhering, you know, to 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 the to the law. That, that's a reality. You find that across the country. Um, we we do have a situation where there are people who use, you know, alternative escape routes uh, and avoid, you know, uh, the the the, the roadblocks on the road and get to the Eastern Cape and vice versa. I mean, you you have many people. From the Eastern Cape, who get to the Western Cape, um, having you know gone past through all the roadblocks. In fact, I mean, having avoided all the roadblocks, and not once did you ever, ever hear the government of the Western Cape, you know, blaming Eastern Cape for that. I mean, that, that the point here is that um, we enforce the law. In fact, all provinces enforce the law, but it is impossible for law enforcement officers to be in every corner and every road especially when there are escape roads that people can use to avoid them. So those things do happen. And of course, you will have people who will take chances and load more than 70%, which is required in terms of the regulations. We do have that. And I but, think but I mean, are, are these isolated cases? Uh, you know, when you hear, uh, you know, someone like Unati Pingosa, your counterpart spokesperson in, in the Eastern Cape, saying, you know, you've got a large number of people, over 50 people caught, uh, you know, and uh, people can't account Baba Velapi, they can't account as to why they don't have permits. Uh, I, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't sound like a, a flash in the pan or some isolated case of, you know, transgression of, uh, you know, infringement of the laws here, but rather, you know, people um, going on as, as, as usual and uh, navigating and crossing these borders as they would ordinarily would. Not, no, 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 no. That is exactly um, an example of an isolated case, I I wonder if you know, come again. No, no, I'm saying so. The the case of the 50 people is an example of an isolated case. Yes. Okay. Say more. Uh, the 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 people that that we what we are talking about. I think th- there are two uh, instances. Both those people are coming from you know farms. I, I would be aware that uh, we have seasonal workers uh, yes, um, yes. The, uh, in the Western Cape that uh, likely come from the Eastern Cape. About thirty thousand of them. Yes. Uh, when it's um, you know um, harvest season, um, and what happened is that um, those workers uh, from service in particular, um, I can assure you that um, many of them uh, had permits. They were taken through the necessary screening processes before they left. But you, we did have people uh, from Hrabo, um that did not use uh, the main roads. Uh, and those people, I mean, those people broke the law. I think the point here is that when people decide uh, to deliberately break the law, use escape routes and get to 
um, any other area for that, for example. Let's just, just remove the issue of borders. The law must take its course. Mm. But mm. I think we must be responsible in the manner in which we deal with this. Because to suggest that these people were then deliberately sent to Eastern Cape to infect the Eastern Cape, I mean, really, that is yeah, irresponsible. I mean that, yeah, yeah. I, I guess there is quite a bit of hyperbole and, uh, you know, uh, wild Absolutely. imaginations at play there. Absolutely. But, uh, so I certainly accept that point. But I, I'm interested to hear from you, uh, Bongigosi, about... Uh, you know, some of the protocols you were talking about. You, you said there had to be some protocols that govern how uh, this healthcare, uh, you know, issue is uh, uh, engaged with and responded to by both of the provinces. Uh, yeah. What would that look like at the level of a roadblock, Aberdeen, where you have law enforcement officials, I would assume, on either side? Look, I think even even the Minister of Health, when he, when he was here, I need, to, I need to qualify that. He did say that uh, while he understand the concerns from the Eastern Cape, but what the Eastern Cape did in Aberdeen was really not the way they should, they should have done it. The point that I'm making is that if there are concerns from the Eastern Cape, from the health perspective, I mean, the, the MEC from Eastern Cape can just speak to the MEC, I mean, uh, of health from the Western Cape and agree. And of course, I wouldn't, you know, get into that because I'm not a health, a health expert. Mm. They would then agree on what kind of protocols must be in place to deal with these concerns. Um, because we, we don't do that. I mean, as I said, people travel between Eastern Cape and Western Cape on regular basis. We, we don't have a point where we, 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 we stop and test people when people are coming to the Western Cape. And I think that's what that, that is one of the arguments I was making as well. Is that mm. the only the only border between Eastern Cape and Western Cape um, cannot be the only place where people are stopped and tested. You know, um, there are many people who are coming from Jobek going to Eastern Cape, um, KZN. There's a border between KZN and Eastern Cape. I, I, I've never had any uh, of the kind of inconvenience that was imposed to those people, as we have seen in Aberdeen. Mm. Uh, notwithstanding, of course, the concern that is there. But as I said, I don't think it's proper. I don't think if it was your relative, I mean, you'd be okay with that. With someone being stopped with the body and he is forced to wait for 48 hours until the, uh, those people are tested. I don't think that's, a, that's the right way of doing mm. it. Mm. And, and, and how, how ought we to be doing it? I mean, I want to return to this question uh, that I asked because... Uh, you've made it clear what ought not to happen, uh, you know, and uh, what uh, you certainly find displeasure with. I, I'm interested in what ideally you would want uh, this collaborative relationship between the two provinces to look like. Well, I, the, the possibly is that you would make sure that the two departments uh, or the two MECs of health are able to communicate so that people who are going to Eastern Cape, you know, or vice versa are screened, um, uh, but I, I'm not sure because there's a standard operating procedure and a plan that Department of Health is, is busy with nationally. Mm. Currently, we are now embarking on a mass screening and testing. Now, I'm not sure whether the department itself would have a capacity, for example, to divert from that program and go to every rank and test people who are, who are traveling sure, from Eastern sure, Cape to Western sure. Cape or Western Cape to Eastern Cape. So that is why I'm saying in theory you would do that. But I don't think there would be enough capacity from the Department of Health to divert from the current program that 
the country is embarking on that of mass uh, uh, screening and testing, you know, in hotspots areas. Mm. So, again, that is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, one, I think that th- those kind of engagements and protocols, you know, can be discussed, you know, by the agencies of health. But I still maintain the point that really to, to stop people for two days, because that has its own unintended consequences, guys. Mm. So, I mean, I, because sure. once people congregate at one area under those circumstances, you are actually making the situation worse because you, you are likely to spread the virus when mm. you're trying to stop the spread. Sure, sure. Now, Bonkos, I mean, it's sometimes quite difficult to, to read the story behind certain numbers, statistics, or percentages that are spoken about. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I was preparing for this conversation earlier on today, I was quite shocked at 84% of all infections in South Africa coming from the Eastern and the Western Cape provinces. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to make of that. And I'm quite interested to maybe hear from you and uh, some of your other colleagues in your cabinet there in the Western Cape, what you read into this. I mean, we heard Alan Windy suggesting that, you know, the, the, the larger than, uh, um, you know, relative to, to other provinces, the larger numbers that are seen in the Western Cape are as a result of record levels of testing. Uh, and uh, when you look at this and you look at the Eastern Cape, 84% in both of sort of your two provinces, um, you know, does the same story still hold root? No, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Eastern Cape. I'm, I'm going to talk about Western Cape. I am sure you, you'd understand. What has happened in the Western Cape is the following. Is that over the last couple of weeks, we've seen outbreaks uh, in essential services areas, like your retail uh, in, in, your, in your grocery stores, your malls, mm. uh, your prisons, healthcare facilities, um, agriculture, etc. Th- those are now are the areas that have now suddenly become um, an areas where the, a number of people tested positive. What we then decided to do in the Western Cape was to follow, because you would know that a person who works in a particular grocery store um, doesn't necessarily leave um, in that particular area. What we then did, we then followed those people. One, we started by screening and testing everyone who works in those areas, and then secondly, we followed them where they reside. Mm. And what has subsequently happened is that we then focused, because there are two types of testing that are happening. I spoke earlier about the mass screening and testing in now in, 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 in your so-called poor communities. But what we are doing, we are doing a targeted testing. We are not just doing a general testing uh, in an area like Kailicha or Philippi. We are following the, 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 the cases and the contacts of those mm. cases. Mm. And then, as a result of that, when we test, we are able to find a higher number of positive you know, cases. One example, let me just make one example. Um, in the Western Cape, we test about 24 people before we get to the positive case. But you would find that on average, other provinces have to test more than 100 people to get to a positive case, which is a clear indication that our, our approach of that type of targeted, you know, targeting hotspots is, is, is yielding results. And again, it must be understood. Uh, and I think it's the same thing that the minister said, that despite it's inevitable and unavoidable, mm. and that people must understand this. But is it, is it not then premature to say it's yielding results? I mean, if, if um, I guess, yes, the, the intended consequence, if you test more people, is that uh, you are going to get an increase in your numbers. The issue is really about the trend of uh, some of the newer cases that you're finding and uh, maybe the geographic spread of those. Uh, is it not too early to say that, you, you know, this, your approach shows that uh, you're actually winning here? 
Well, there are two questions that you need to answer um, in order to to get to the answer of of the question that you're asking. Mm. The first question is, did the six weeks lockdown give us enough time to prepare for the worst case scenario? And the the answer in the Western Cape is yes. So to answer your question, it it is not too early. Because I think we bought ourselves enough time by preparing for the worst case scenario Mm. in the six weeks of lockdown. But the second question is, is that do we have enough health experts who will deal with the containment and the Mm. case management? And the minister confirmed that because when he was there, he was addressed by these health experts Mm. who did confirm uh, that the issue of containment and case management, I mean, uh, we have enough capacity to deal with that. So that is why people must never confuse the issue of us calling you know, for opening the economy mm. uh, with the increase in the number of cases. Okay. No, because there's all manner of other dimensions to that particular question. But unfortunately, yeah. we have run out of time, uh, Bongagosi. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Really appreciate you, you uh, taking time out to speak to us this evening. Thank you very much, I. That there was Bongagosi Matigizela, MEC for Transport in the Western Cape, and uh, talking about some of the issues and uh, that uh, Iron Curtain between the Western and the Eastern Cape. We're going to have to leave it there. Back with you again tomorrow. The man with the music is uh, your soulful accompaniment uh, on this lockdown evening. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my African, and go. Sisai Bangale Economy.